Fatality Fitness Podcast, covering everything from fitness, health, and nutrition with your host, Matthew Smiley, covering top topics and answering all your fitness Q&As with featured guests. Hello and welcome to the Fatality Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Smiley, and today I've got Jerry Neal, who is the founder of Into the Deepest Closed um, Facebook group, probably the, the leading Scotland co therapy group at the moment. Um, also, very interesting uh, and knowledgeable guy who's going to speak about kind of stuff like um, hypnotherapy and neuroscience and where he's been and um, just his story, a very interesting story. So, uh, Jed, how are you doing? Good, good, Matthew. Thanks for inviting us along. Good to see you. Good for having, uh, for being on. Um, so, just tell me a wee bit about your background, kind of. The I, I, I've I've wrote here saying basically your past doesn't define you as a person. So, the Jared Neal today than the Jared Neal maybe 20, 30 years ago. Aye, so it, basically the past doesn't define you as a person. That that, that is an absolute fact. However. There's a big caveat with that because many people are suffering from chronic stress and very generalised anxiety because of experiences that they've had in the past. So for them, the past is very much present in their life. And there is a gap between what happened to people in the past, what their choices are today, but also how the brain records the experiences in terms of the stress response and stuff like that. So my inexperience is that I was unfortunate enough to be born to teenagers, so a couple of kids herself actually, just a man and a woman, young teenagers who were ill-equipped for the responsibilities of a relationship and certainly the demands and responsibilities of having children, so quickly that relationship, me and my brother, three-year-olderness, um, deteriorated and we had very short spints each with different grandparents and then both of ended up in residential childcare, so... My experience through childhood was um, stole, robbed, you know, so childhood was robbed for me. I spent all my years in residential childcare, but seven or eight different uh, placements, maybe 10, 11 different uh, primary schools, and then my coping strategies were so bad that I never made it into secondary school. I went to residential schools in the country with other children who were um, emotionally damaged, traumatised as well. But when we're talking 35 years ago, the perception of kids in care was that they were something wrong with them, sort of behavioural problems and stuff, but in actual fact it was just the circumstances of our life dictated that we developed chronic stress, chronic children with chronic stress developed, developed really bad coping strategies and um, the, the local authorities and the people who were responsible for looking after us also didn't have the processes in place that's there today, and even today the processes are shocking actually, the outcomes for the 15,000 young people uh, that are in residential childcare, kinship care, adoption, foster care right now is poor, you know, real, real poor. No, some day go to university, but the majority of them struggle um, academically. They miss, a lot of them end up homeless. The addiction problems is right through it all. Access to criminal justice centre service is, is shocking as well, you know. So really poor outcomes, and, and I, was, I was brought up in that environment as well. When I was, I could blow for blow, loads of things going on in there as well. So, give an example, it says that um, the, how the, 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 the local authorities looked after you. So, there's a big drive to know in the, in the care sector, that's what they call the, 
for people who's looked after for a lifetime of love. You know, there's organisations like Who Care Scotland are really champion that just because somebody's parents are ill-equipped to look after them. Maybe they've died, maybe addiction problems. Doesn't mean that children shouldn't be able to experience care and love in, a, in any environment that they stay. You know, there's a big drive about that to do. But how we get cared for back then was if we had any emotional problems, they gave us seven fags a day. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hilarious, isn't it? It's laughable. But that's, no, that's only 35 years ago. Kids that were 10 in residential childcare, um, the staff that worked in there, so if you worked in the residential childcare at that time, then at lunchtime, at breakfast time, tea time, supper time and at your breaks in between then you would need to hand out cigarettes to kids you know and the, the ironic thing about all that is is that the people who worked in there wouldn't have done that to their own kids because you just wouldn't get your 10 year old in and say right son so you had to have breakfast there a wee fag before you head to school you just don't do it yeah. right? but that was, that's the reality oh, oh, that you grow up with so by the time I was 16 anyway um, loads of stuff loads of different movements re-traumatisations uh, geographical changes really poor education. Then when I was finished there, just nearly 17, I was homeless. So I got a, a, a bed set, which did really bad copes in terms of um, drug and alcohol use as well, just as a wee guy. And um, couldn't look after that tenancy. It was a rave scene, so everybody was using strobe lights, listening to dance music, take recreational type drugs. So you'd go on a party for three days and, Three days later, you would have emerged that party was in my house. So I couldn't keep managing that tenancy and ended up homeless. And then quite a short time after that, I ended up bouncing about young offenders institutions. So that was pretty much the, how the formative, the formative parts of my life was. And as a young man in my early 20s, I had really chronic stress, was really, really aggressive, had real bad um, beliefs about myself and what was possible for my life. I wasn't really doing anything that day that might have changed the circumstances of reality in my life further forward. And I had to go on a search to find out what can I do here? How can I change that? Because I can't heal the past in the past. I can only heal the past in the present. And I can't make any changes about anything that's happened in the past or anything that I might become in the future. I can only do the, the changes and make the life choices just now. So the main key for me was is to discover why do I feel the way that I feel? Why am I uh, experiencing these coping strategies and why is my life not working? Why am I experiencing this deep unhappiness and almost fear, like gripped with unknown types of fears about developing and growing? And that sent us on a, a 20, which has been a 20 year journey now about breathwork, meditation, and all different stuff. You mentioned some um, some modalities like NLP, neuroscience, the hypnosis. So, really spent years of my life to try and find ways that are that would help me cope the reality of my life and to change how I felt the day, but also to turn the past into my greatest asset so that I could start using powerful tools that we've all got as human beings like memory and imagination to, to harness the incredible powers, to travel into the past and take the best of my past or to travel into the future using imagination um, and predict a life that would be exciting. And there's, there's a big gaps between that, but it's possible for for people to achieve that. And that's certainly what I've been working on in the last 20 years. So that's basically where I've been and where I'm, where I am right now. So where was the, where was the turning point? Where, how did you, at what stage did you think to yourself, this is enough, this isn't the life for me. I need to turn my life around. And um, kind of what was the first tools that you put in place to kind of do that? So many times, listen, let me tell you, see many times as a teenager, 
when you've been lifted again or when you're sleeping in the streets. You know, I know a lot of people these days, particularly at this time of year, which is Christmas, there's a big drive to for charitable purposes and a lot of people pick homelessness and stuff like that. And you will see people walking about the city centre, big groups of people taking pictures, which is shocking, beside people who are sleeping rough. They're doing good deeds, they're providing sleeping bags and um, soup kitchens and that. Just random people coming together, blasting all your social media, let's get a big drive, get clays, get this and that, and then big groups of them walk about the city centre while people are sleeping, sleeping at the worst areas of their life are sleeping, and take pictures standing beside them and batter all their social media. Shocking, you know, the, the deeds that they're doing is really good. But the way I always say, see, I see anything like that on social media, I say, listen, you're assuming that that person can never rise up for that spot that they're sleeping at the now, right? And that's why you're taking pictures of them when they were at their worst. How would you like it if I took a picture of you when you're at your absolute worst, your worst coping strategies, your worst behaviours, you feel you've never felt low in your life, and I use that as a basis to champion Look how well I'm doing helping these people. I said, because I've slept there. Do you know, I've been there. And there was many times when I was rough sleeping, couldn't get into hostels at night, mad to where I was desperate to change. Desperate to change. Do you know, I've been greeting myself, waiting away, desperate to change, freezing and starving and no knowing how to do it. And then there's been times when I was in the Young Offenders Institution, gripped with loneliness, walking into the cell when there's a big cloud of loneliness just waiting for you, you know, seriously wakes at absolute hopelessness and low moods, you know, can't see any way out whatsoever. And I was desperate to change there as well. And I didn't know how to change. I had no tools to change. So my big thing that I say today to anybody, particularly people I work in, whether that's large groups or on an individual basis, I say, look, see when you know better, you will do better. There is no doubt about that. But even knowing Knowledge, if you, maybe you've heard this, information equals transformation. It's a term that's used quite a lot in the personal development world. Me personally, it's absolute bullshit because just knowing something isn't the same as experiencing something. And you can only experience something by taking absolute action. But something needs to show you the actions to take. So to go back to your question there, what was the turning point in my life? Well, there is many turning points and there was many times that I was desperate to change, but I always focused on the symptom. Now, the symptom at some times in my life might have been smoking green, which is cannabis or grass. It might have been taking cocaine. It might have been taking the recreational type ecstasies and stuff like that, or it might have been alcohol. So they were symptoms, right? But these symptoms, when I was using them as a coping strategy to change how I feel, became addictive. And I would look at them and say, if I could stop taking this, that, or the next thing, then I would be all right. But they're only symptoms, right? So if I only deal with stop taking whatever I'm taking, so say it's booze, stop drinking, then all the reasons why I'm drinking in the first place is going to materialise almost instantly, right? So the cause isn't the substance of the, the coping strategy. The, the problem is, is why am I needing something outside myself to come inside myself to achieve a state of happiness, joy, comfortableness, or just to feel right, or even sometimes to get oblivion? So often I would always look at the symptom. If I could do that, then I would be all right, but never look at the cause. And that's pretty much similar to now, Matthew, where people look at the symptoms. So they've, they've got these sensations and these thought patterns and this fear, they call that anxiety. So they try and manage anxiety, but what is the cause of anxiety, right? 
and you say stress. But what's the cause of the stress? And that's how the brain has recorded past events. And as you're moving through your life, you're seeing, hearing, and feeling, being triggered by things that you're doing in everyday life that's switching on and stress and anxiety. Now, you're a personal trainer, right? Now, you know that exercise by itself is fundamental, important to people's overall health, right? But physical health is only one aspect of health. There's mental health, there's emotional health, and there's that thing I call spiritual health. Now, there's other aspects I help. I always focus on with four things, right? So there has been times in my life and the young offenders where I've not been able to access substances. So it could have been cocaine, cannabis, alcohol, my coping strategies. So I'm left with that big cloud of loneliness, that hopelessness of hung areas for weeks. So I started exercising. So there was a period where I was physically really, really powerful, really, really fit, like top elite athlete fit, right? Amazingly fit as a young man. My mental health was shocking. You know, still gripped to anxiety. My emotional health was all over the place, you know? So by focusing on my physical health, it was all right. So it substituted the alcohol and the drugs for a period of time. So I just focused on that, and that was a, a good, a, a more healthy coping strategy. But my mental health was still shocking. So was my anxiety, so I was still gripped. So it's about, about, I had to start finding a way to start looking at what can I do to start accessing all aspects of my health? So exercise. And what was the turning point for me was when I was 19, a young man in Dolphys Young Offenders Institution, an organisation called uh, um, the Phoenix Prison Fellowship or something like that appeared. I think that's their name. Um, appeared in there. And it was a Catholic nun. And it was a, a Buddhist type um, yogic guy, pranayamic breathing techniques. And what they done is is they visited all locked institutions and gave them literature, basic yoga, basic pranayama breathwork techniques, with the idea that when somebody works on their self, then what happens is, is that by doing this work, there's a light that's in every single one of us, and that light will turn into a roaring inferno. And when that light starts sparking within a human being, they start valuing themselves because they start noticing their unlimited potential. And when they start noticing their own unlimited potential and that spark lights, they start noticing that other people are also got that spark in them, and they've also got unlimited potential. And what they were basically done is, is they done a wee talk, and they basically spoke as is, is that this is a shared journey that we experience. So this our journey through life as a human being is a shared journey. We experience the highs and lows of life. All you guys have the same emotions. They'll be, um, they'll manifest in different times and different places for different people. But this is a shared journey. And basically, what they taught me was, is that they taught me that I had the ability for myself by myself to change how I felt by practicing things that I was already doing, breath work. So I was already breathing. Now, the day I will tell you, because of the work that I've done, that an average human being breathes about 25,000 breaths uh, a day. So average means is about 22,000 because my respiratory rate. So we are breathing this, these, these incredible amounts of breath. Now, that's an autonomic, automatic process. So we can regulate our breathing. We can concentrate. We can breathe harder, slower. at will. But where are we breathe, where are we we're aware of focused on it? It will happen. The carbon dioxide will rise inside our brain. The brain sends a signal right down to the diaphragm to start moving to start the process of respiratory, to start the respiratory system. So how we can get oxygen from the environment 
inside my body and how we can expel carbon dioxide from the muscles and tissues back out into the environment. Right? That's the respiratory system. Now, we are breathing 25,000 times a day. And what the people taught me when I was 19 was how to breathe. Just a basic breathing and gave us some books, all different stuff, breathing in through nostrils, breathing out through nostrils, body scans, and some very basic um, yoga. And that, when I was 19, was the, when I look back, you know, I didn't feel, didn't feel it when I was doing it. Don't think I just went into a room, into my cell, done a couple of breathing exercises and my mind switched on and I became a lifelong learner and life was amazing. I could communicate well, far from it. I was engaged in chronic addiction, chronic stress and chronic mental health. Like really poor mental health, really, really poor, really poor, mate. Almost to the point that I've got medical records that, that say that I had... Um, psychosis and um, depressive, manic, de um, wasn't it manic depressive? Um, I can't remember the term that you used, but some form of uh, depressive. I don't suffer from any of these symptoms today. None whatsoever. None at all. So when I look back in that period in my life, I recognised that the real problem for me was stress. And I had to manage my stress. And the turning point came when they came into that establishment and gave me some books, some processes that when I was myself, for myself, I could be able to transform myself. And that was the, the seeds, the very first seeds when I was 19. So that's almost 25 years ago now. Brilliant. The thing is, why do, why do you think people leave it so don't or don't want to speak out and say they've got mental health problems? Like if you think about it, if people want to lose weight, they'll contact a personal trainer. If somebody's got an injury, they'll go to a physio. But not a lot of people will what I seek help when it comes to kind of mental health and they'll kind of leave it to that kind of la not, not a bad stage you can always turn it around as you said but like we're not proactive or more reactive we'll wait until there's an issue before we go and or, or we struggle to a point where it's beyond kind of not I don't want to say obviously we're always going to be re repairable but to a point where it's as you say chronic um Whereas people could be more proactive with their mental health and kind of see, seek people like yourself who's going to kind of help them be more proactive rather than wait until that chronic stage kicks in. Well, what we do is that is already happening, but what I find happens on particularly social media, it's a platform for all of us to voice where we are. And what tends to happen is the people that speak out about mental health often are the people who have come through like mental health hell, right? And they have still got it. And what they are saying is, is that you just speak about it. So that's their thing. Speak up about it. Speak up about it. Which is fine. So it's just acknowledging, listen up to these mental health challenges. It doesn't take it away. It doesn't take it away. Just saying I've got depression doesn't take you lift your de depression. It doesn't change how your brain's uptaking the, the cells, the synaptic, and the synaptic gap, how the serotonin has been uptook. It doesn't change that. It really doesn't change that. Right? So it's about a book going like that. I speak out, acknowledge, listen, I've got a problem. But then the next question is, what's the solution to this problem? What is the solution to this problem? Right? So you've got groups that are anxiety groups. So people go and talk about, I've got anxiety, so have you, so vast. And they feel momentarily good. But does it change when you're experiencing symptoms and sensations that you're associating with anxiety, does it change them? Because the reality is, when people are suffering stress, by the way, stress, a lot of people don't know what stress is, right? You don't know when they're stressed. Stress 
is there's various studies, right? So I don't know a lot of what with a guy called Dr. Joe Dispenser. So anybody that's listening to this, go and look at a guy called Dr. Joe Dispenser, right? He's got low international speaker, right? He's got loads of stuff on YouTube. He's got loads of books, best-selling books. He does retreats all over the world. He's got online courses. Brilliant, right? The guy's amazing, right? So if you, I would say to somebody, go and do some work with people like that and go and find out what is, the, what is the real problem here, right? What is the real challenge that people are experiencing? Because, see, if you get, again, if you just look at, like, the symptoms here, oh, then nothing's really going to change, but what's the solution here, oh? So go look at guys like Dr. Joe Dispenser and go and learn some very basic techniques where we can start changing the causes of mental health challenges. But also, think about this, Matthew, right? When were you ever given information as, as a kid about mental health. When were you ever given that? Exactly, never. Nothing, right? So, and most people in the modern world have multiple experiences in their life that cause chronic stress. So children come out of a family environment. A particular think about it, a child has never went to nursery, right? So if they've never went to nursery, they've never mixed with other kids, and all of a sudden they're abandoned to, at four or five, to go from nine o'clock to three o'clock into an environment where there's another 26, 30 kids in that environment and they've got to look after themselves, do you know? It's like massive amounts of stress, right? Or kids are getting bullied or kids are living in environments where there's mental health for the parents. There is parental breakup, which is devastating for children under seven, by the way. Let's not kid anybody on it. It has a massive impact as children are forming core beliefs. It's all right saying this is not your fault, but let me tell you that they believe it is their fault that they've contributed in some way towards this um, paternal breakup. It's devastating um, addictions, which is right throughout society right now, where are living in that environment. Bereavement, you know, people's parents are dying and all of a sudden they've not got any primary carers and they're getting into care and their full lives are transformed, right? What's happening there is, is that chronic stress is getting switched on. And then people develop coping strategies the best they had. So when you're a teenager, you go through that experience of meeting your pals, getting cheap bottles of wine, experimenting with drugs. Most kids do that, experimenting with sex as well, right? Now, for a, if you're a young lassie and you go out with a guy for a few months and you get drunk and you end up getting having sex with him, and then you have sex with two or three other people because teenagers' hormones are all over the place, they're randy as hell, they can get slaughtered for that. Absolutely slaughtered, shamed. Right, you can get shamed about the clothes that you're wearing, the mobile phones that you're, you've got, how you look, how you sound, or your sporting performance. So all these experiences that people are going through life, right? These happen. These happen to us all. Now, see if you've not got a secure family environment. See if you're not getting into your house and you're getting built up and you're getting made to feel valued, important then that develops resilience. So a, a kid is very resilient. And as long as they've got a, a, at least one primary adult figure that believes in them, supports them, nourishes them, then it builds resilience. And it means that you're much better able to manage all the distresses that I've described there. But if you're in an environment where you're being abused, you're, you're witnessing domestic violence, you're living with somebody with mental health problems, you are living in an environment where there's addiction in there, you're living in poverty, then all these drivers is what is known as ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, and they create chronic stress. And if you've not got that one adult figure that can give you resilience, 
then you're as a child are going to experience massive amounts of stress. And then if you go in, when you're already experiencing the stress, if you go into school and somebody slags you about your place, then you learn that what I'm wearing equals social acceptance. What I'm wearing equals getting accepted into social circles. Now, we've all got a social instinct that makes us want to come together. Do you know, and in that social instinct lies your self-esteem and our personal relationships. And if that's damaged, then it changes the chemistry in our body. And our brain will come up with ingenious ways for us to change that chemistry. And the ingenious ways might be buying place, right? And if you can't buy place because you're living in poverty or your parents are living in poverty, and they can't afford to go and get you a Montclair jacket to go to school, they can't afford to get you Gucci Prada trainers or Dulce & Gabbana and all the, all the latest trimmings, then what actually happens is young people, particularly in deprived communities, will start getting involved in skullduggery because for them, they need money to buy the material possessions because the material possessions equal self-esteem and social acceptance. Do you know what I'm talking about? So there's a wide range, and then what happens is as well, the experimenting with alcohol, experimenting with sex, they change your chemistry. So if you've gone through all that stress in your life, you go and get involved in alcohol, you go and smoke a few joints, you go and take a wee bit of gear, and all of a sudden it changes the chemistry in your body, then your brain realises, when I am in this state of stress, when I am feeling these um, depleting type emotions, anger, shame, guilt, remorse, regret, so on and so forth, then what's the solution to that? Because by experiencing that, your brain's like a seesaw. And when it goes like that, it means chronic stress. So your mind will go, right, how did we get out of this the last time? Oh, do you know what? You had sex with that person. Right? So we think about Tinder, the new mate. Do you know, it's ramping. People are looking for love, lifelong partners. People are looking for sexual conquest. Why? Because they're like that, sex, oxytocin, vasopressin, momentarily, and then back down to that. So when they're now going like that, what's the solution? Go and have a drink. Up to here. When they're no drinking, down to there. So when you're feeling like that, what's the solution? Go and get a drink, go and get a drink, go and get a line, go and buy things, go and do this. So now people are engaged in all these coping strategies, and they're bouncing through it, and they're bouncing, trying this, and they're trying that, and trying every coping strategy in the world, and then they get to their late 20s, early 30s, and it's collapse time. And that's when they go and seek the help for the real problem, right? Because they've tried this, that, and the next thing. They've tried all the coping strategies. And let me tell you, you go and drink, you go and take Charlie, you go and smoke green, you go and have sex with somebody, you go and buy new clays, new motors, new things, they sex it. They all change how you feel, mate. They all change how you feel. How is that? Because they create chemistry in your brain. They create dopamine, serotonin, they create oxytocin, vasopressin. And these are all chemicals that make us feel good, that motivate us to repeat um, actions that bring us pleasure, that make us feel loved and that make us feel connected. And that's ultimately what we want. So the problem for people to know is not that they're drinking too much, they're taking too much um, cocaine, that they're, 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 they're spending the full night on Tinder trying to get sexual contact. They don't even know who they're messaging half the guys are mocking me because they've sent the same um, generic message to 50 different people trying to get a bite. And they, they don't, but they're unhappy. You know, they're selling their soul for a, a short chemical fix. They're selling their soul. So what's the answer? Go to the gym, get a brilliant diet. You look amazing. But how many people you work with, Martin, uh, Matthew, who are look amazing, but they're fucked, man. They're stressed out of box. Do you know how many guys are going to the gym taking all sorts of what they call performance enhancers, which is steroids, to make themselves look great and then taking all sorts of charlie at the weekend and their life's a disaster. 
you know, they're involved in domestic violence, they're cheating on their missuses, they're um, traumatising their wings, and they feel shame and guilt and remorse, but they don't know how to do change it. So what does the brain say? Well, the last time you felt like that, take steroids, go to the gym, get mad with it every weekend, and it reinforces the full cycle. So now mere guilt, mere shame, mere low moods, mere depressive states, and when they feel like that, the brain goes, I need to get you to this. Steroids, cocaine, jam, have sex with somebody up here momentarily, then bang, when they're down there, I need to get you to this. And it's that cycle. So the answer to the question, why do they wait so long? is because they are using all these coping strategies that work momentarily, but eventually you need mere and mere and mere and mere, and it's just like breakdown time. I mean, I don't know if you've experienced it, because I work with a lot of men, particularly, who've come from massive trauma, gang-type cultures, um, organised crime, skullduggery, or just your everyday punters who are just like, involved in normal life that happens in our housing communities, trying their best, not a sudden, damaging relationships, um, um, break up with their relationships, feel guilty about being their parents, just feel like the worst person in the full world. And all the idea is, is they get through all the coping strategies until they stop working. And I have how many men I've seen just greeting, just greeting, man. And I go, I, I know that, why I've seen when I was on the street, that's how I felt. That's exactly how I felt. So you're bang on when you say 10 minutes ago or something like that. Listen, nobody's broken, right? Nobody's broken. Everybody has all the resources that they need. But the key thing is, you need to know better before you can do better. So when I'm saying go look at Joe Dispenser stuff, there's a thing breaking the habit about your being yourself. It's really about becoming honest and conscious. Where am I in my life right now? And what's the things that I am doing myself that's contributing towards how I feel? Because we need to stop doing them. But it's no sometimes for its addiction, it's not a choice just to stop, stop the right and stop there. We need to substitute the chemistry that you're getting after the substance for something more holistic which is why we're part of a community that gets involved in cold exposure, hall walking, breath work, and various other forms of social engagement, because it's really, really important to break the cycle of being yourself. I yeah, was saying, like, obviously, talking about, like, the comparison being the FIFA joy, like, I was talking to one of my clients the other day, she's actually a teacher, and they're actually teaching it in school now, because obviously you need to tackle it at young ages, because obviously... You're scrolling through social media and, and talk about it from like a fitness point of view. Obviously, body images, people are saying, oh, she looks amazing. But what you only see on social media is the highlight reel. You don't see, as you say, it's like some of the guys breaking into tears or women in like emotional bad states. And you don't see that. You only see the highlight reel. You only see what's good in everybody's life. You don't see the backstory. Everybody's, I mean, it's, it's just, I think you need to tackle it at a young age, as you said. See, we see with that point, right? What I'm going to say here, and I don't mean to offend any teachers whatsoever who are doing an incredible, amazing jobs, but the demands placed on teachers are incredible. Mm-hmm. Incredible, right? Really incredible. The classroom sizes for trying to get it down to 26 is unbelievable, right? It's really unbelievable. You're getting children coming into a classroom environment who the teachers know has been abused in some form, who knows that they might be starving, who knows that they're smelling a pee, who knows that they're wearing clays, that, that they're just pure rags. So there's teachers that know that, right? Now, teachers are human beings, right? Really human. They feel that. They feel that, right? I mean, it's just like, but what can they do about it? What right. can they do? Because we're asking teachers to become social workers. We're asking teachers who are coming from a very demanding job, 
right? Teachers who have got their own life is happening outside the school, so they will be coming from environments where there is addiction, where there is mental health, where there is um, trauma. They'll be coming from environments where they probably themselves had adverse childhood experiences or people around about them, because this is what's happening in our modern life, right? And now all of a sudden, we're asking teachers who haven't got the best coping strategies themselves, right, who are often no working on their mind, they're working on their body, but they're no working on their mind, they've no got a regular self-care routine, to then start teaching children irregular, now listen to the word, irregular self-care routines. So when do we get our kids to go into school? And before they sit down at their desk, do we teach them very basic breath work? We don't, right? Where do we teach our kids every day? how to regulate their emotions. We don't, right? How do we get our kids and teach them? Havening, right? Tapping, EFT, right? Breathwork, mindfulness, mate. We don't, we dare, sometimes we dare, and it's very small bursts to it all, but we don't date consistently and repeatedly, right? And here's the thing, neuroscience is very categorically about us, right? Very categorically about us, right? Children are sponges, Right? Children are sponges, they are learners. It's easy to learn the, long, the younger that you are. Right? I mean, you think about what a child learns between one and seven. They learn core beliefs that will do them for a full life. Right? What I learned when I was one and seven, I was getting into my 40s and I was having to unlearn these, these core beliefs. I'm no good at relationships. Do you know? I'm not very clever. You know, maybe um, maybe that's no for me. Maybe I'm no success isn't for me. Maybe I'm no born to be happy. Do you know, real core fundamental. Where did he come from? From childhood, right? Now, my wee boy up the stair does breathing in his class. He's in school now, but when he's up the stair in the house, he does breathing and um, wee bits of breathing, but he breathes right. Breathes in through his nose and breathes out through his mouth. So that's no right, because that's pushing out too much carbon dioxide. And we need carbon dioxide in our system to help us to breathe properly. So you've now talked about that book, James Nestor, Breathe, right? Which isn't a detailed account of how to change all that, but it's very, very good. So listen to that, and I'm telling you, you will learn masses amounts and pass it on to your clients mm -hmm. about nasal breathing and the power of nasal breathing and how a lot of uh, conditions like asthma, COPD, um, chronic stress, chronic anxiety, they're all mouth breathers. Right? So we need to teach this to our children. But what I'm saying is, it's brilliant that I've made a start on it. There is small pockets of success all about the countries and the ones that I know. But we are much more about the education curriculum, about reading, writing and spelling. When are we going to start adding emotional regulation as part of that? When are we going to add, um, start adding stress management techniques to build resilience as part of that process every single day? But when are we also going to start working with the givers of that and start supporting teachers much more appropriately and giving teachers robust stress management processes? Because I don't know about anybody else's, but without saying the name of my, my wee boy's school, they have only got one child psychologist assigned to that school, right? Assigned to that. They don't, they're not in there. It was once a day or something. Any kids with additional needs need to get referred to that woman, right? So, but she's obviously, I think, working all over South Lanarkshire. I don't know how many schools and how many kids that that constitutes, but they are massively underfunded, you know? So for all you start kids very early, that is definitely the answer. But beyond that, we need to make sure that as part of your processes that we are giving our children the, the ability and the tools to self-regulate so that they don't need to go Charlie, Tinder, buying things, 
um, eating disorders and all the full range of things that people are using to try and cope, that they've got a much more holistic process and they can learn by breathing to regulate their emotions because if they can regulate their emotions, they will make better choices. Yeah. That's a fact. Definitely. Um, so you mentioned, like, obviously, into the deepest cold water therapy, you've mentioned previously that this group isn't a mental health group or an alcohol uh, anonymous group or a drug rehab group. But why do you feel that you are now helping people in these situations? Does it feel that these people can relate to you, your life story, where you've been, how you've changed your life around? Possibly, but people like people who like people, who are like people, right? So I'll repeat that, people like people who are like people. So if you are like me, I'll like you. So it's a model of NLP modelling. But what we do is, is that we use, um, we mirror, we pace, people, so we, we mimic their body language and stuff like that, we mimic their voice tones, the words that they're saying, and people unconsciously will start associating that this person's just like me, so they'll feel comfortable running about them, yeah, that's a fact, people will champion my story, but no, everybody, I mean, I've had it stinking, I'm no joking, so stinking means for people who might not be familiar with our local West of Scotland languages, I've had some amount of abuse, I am no joking, I have had some amount of abuse, even after people who were professing to be my pals, who started this group ways, who just wanted to do their own things, big eagles all coming out, just slaughtering you, absolutely slaughtering you. I've had, even the last couple of days, I've had a guy, a guy yesterday, sending his naked pictures of himself. Do you know, just unbelievable, mate. And I'm like, ah, what are you sending me that for, mate? And he's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. I say, so I took a screenshot. I say, I'm going to share that all in my social media. Oh, please don't. I say, well, stop fucking sending his naked pictures of yourself. It's unacceptable. We're engaging in a process here. I'm trying to create a community which is a safe environment for people to come together. It's no a me declaring that I want to get pumped off a guy or I want to go and have sex with any sort of lassies and stuff like that. I say, so it's completely unacceptable. Completely. And then the same, I know people taking screenshots of a closed group and putting it out in the range. So joining the group and then putting it out in the range social media, uh, look at the state of the So you get attacked all the time, right? But here's the thing, right? See, when I'm working with coaches, on a one now I work with quite a lot of coaches and therapies, some are not quite starting, but some are much more established, and they have all got situations where the past is still present, they have been shamed about communicating in some form or another, usually in school, where they put their horn up to answer a question, and they go it wrong, and everybody laughed at them or something like that, and the brain has recorded that experience as a threat, so as they move through their life, they are really apprehensive, or they start getting really anxious about talking in front of people, or talking on social media, you know what I'm saying is, this is what you've got to do. See if you've got a message and you believe in the message, right? If you have developed a process and a, practice, a daily practice that works for you, and you are then going like that, are you selling professional services, right? So what's a good way for me as a coach to let people know that I'm a good coach? What's a good way for me to do that? It's this talk on social media. It's an incredible, power, positive platform for that. Really positive for getting your message out. So what you do is, is you just start talking on social media. And the first time that you start talking, you come on, you go, Hi, my name's Gerald Neal. And if you would like to, you know, as if some dodgy American stroke Scottish accent, and then you say to yourself, who are you really talking to there? Who are you talking to? And you say to yourself, well, listen, you're talking to people who want to hear your message, right? And see the people who don't want to hear your message, they'll send snidey, uh, Facebook posts about you, they'll talk about you behind your back, the snipers will jump out and try and shoot you down and stuff like that, but eventually they will disappear because they're no interested in what you're saying, and because they're no interested in what you're saying, they're no listening, 
So the people who are listening is the people who are identifying either way your story, but way the processes that you're doing. And I find often is that, and I speak about this regularly, you need to own your history, right? Now, what is history? Break that down. His story. You need to own your history. Now, history is what happened yesterday and beyond, right? But you can't, that is the his story. If the past is still present in a really negative way and it's causing you stress. But when you free yourself from the stress and when you take this approach, you look back at your life and you say, do you know what? I've done the best that I could with the resources I had at that time. Just because I've got new resources, new ways of thinking, the new coping strategies today, I look back and I say, saves that young Jed, that young Gerald Neal had this information and these coping strategies, then he wouldn't have made the choices. Mm -hmm. And if he didn't make the choices, the people wouldn't have got harmed. So I can't go back and heal the past in the past. I can only heal for the past right now. And the best way to do that is, is to work on myself the day. And by working on myself the day, if I've been going to the gym every single day, I've been eating quite well, and I'm still experiencing stress and anxiety, I need to do something different. Doesn't mean I stop exercising. Go to keep doing that. Good for endorphins, good for feel good chemistry, good for getting rid of free radicals. Maybe inflammation starts to happen, injuries are taking longer to heal, stress. So I need to do some robust stress management. Exercise, excellent. But I need to start accessing and changing where the real problem is. And that's the mind. That's the mind, right? And we can definitely access the mind through breath work. We can break through the analytical mind where we analyze things. We can break through that, send our body to sleep, enter the operating center of the mind, and while in there, plant seeds of possibilities of what we want instead. So, for instance, what does that mean? If I'm experiencing chronic stress today, whereabouts is that? Right, people go, oh, just in my belly. No, 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 no. Where are you being triggered? Right? When are you experiencing this anxiety? What specific circumstances? And they'll say, oh, run about that person, doing that task, going to the shops, just walking to the school, uh, when my husband comes home, when I'm dealing with my family, whatever this, whatever that is, they say, right, listen, what would you like instead? What would you like instead? You know? And that's where NLP, uh, life coaching comes in. When you build a model of what you would like instead, using the senses, see this, hear that, feel this. And then what you do is, is you use breath work to get yourself nice and relaxed, and you just imagine, you use that power of time travel the, into the future. We call that imagination. You use your imagination to imagine being in that circumstance and seeing, hearing, and feeling what you want instead. Now, see if you do that one time, nothing's happening for you, mate. Nothing. Mm -hmm. See if you do that, make a commitment to do that seven or eight minute process every day, two or three times a day, then anxiety starts reducing because you're managing your stress and you're rewriting the programs in your mind that are associated with whatever you're seeing as a threat. And that's the way you change that. You know, that's the process of change. But people need to take responsibility and always say, when you know better, you can do better, mm -hmm. but you need to take action. Action, 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 action. Very specific action. I like that tool that you use, that visual visualisation, like talking about the day that you want to have, how you want to feel. And it kind of makes people accountable for the day that they want to feel. If you've wrote it down, you're saying that you're going to do that on that day, then the actions that you take on that day are going to be around your accountability for that. And it, the thing is when, and that's the thing that I want to talk about when we go into this kind of uh, cold water therapy, the, the 30 day 
the 30 day challenge that you've set up in the group um, and you talk about it as the attraction by example so if you put, put it out there saying that you're going to do a 30 day challenge then you're, you've set yourself this accountability and you need to lead uh, by example with it um, talk about the Talk about the group first. I want to talk about obviously the environment that you've created. As you said, it's like the people that don't want to be involved, and you've now created this kind of safe place for people who use this kind of coping strategy of cold water therapy to better. And it's it's clear to see people being in the group is that it's changing people's lives. It's helping them. It's a coping strategy. It's a um, feeling part of a, a tribe. Um, who've got beliefs and values and what you're what you're saying and what you do daily. But talk about the talk about the group and then we'll talk about the 30 day challenge that you've set up as well in there. Aye. So so basically what happened is is that um a long time ago, September 2019, so almost 30 months ago, um I had June 2019, I had went to a breathing class in Wishaw. Jim McFadden ran a breathing class out there with the Wim Hof method. My wet cause, my pal Catherine was suggesting it. Another guy, James English, was pals with that time. He was suggesting it. Her. Really interested me. So I went and I, I didn't get in here. It wasn't for me. I didn't enjoy it. Nothing happened. You know, I just got a blocked nose and all that stuff. So I didn't think much of it. That was probably in May 2019. But loads of people were getting some done. People I was coaching were getting some done after. I never really got it. It was, was run about a guy called Wim Hof. So a Dutch guy who has the Wim Hof method. So basically, he's been out and done loads of pranayama breathing techniques. He's tumor meditation, deep abdor- really deep power breathing techniques and cold exposure. And that guy's been going through his life for years um, doing all these challenges and not getting much attention. And all of a sudden, he started getting a lot of attention. He built a brand around about him. They use things that have been available for thousands of years, pulled it all together and branded it the Wim Hof method and made it really attractive and really um, really commercially viable. So no, no overly expensive, but available in a lot of people. So I, I can, sorry, when, Catherine, I, when, I, when I listened to Jim, uh, the podcast that you had done, he'd actually mentioned Wim Hof's name, but he never obviously, obviously I'm assuming that at that time you hadn't tried out the kind of cold water stuff. Uh, no, no, no. So that was around about that time where um, he's talking about James English podcast. James English podcast. He actually, uh, so he, 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 I was more about just like my story, my history and stuff like that. And James was just starting at that time, don't forget. So he wasn't getting a lot. He, he'd done the telly stuff and, um, and he was pushing out there. He was looking to change his life and all. James is a really good guy, by the way, with a lot of challenges in his own life. No, that guy's had lots and lots of trauma. So a lot of people I speak to say, oh, he's doing this and that, and he's got lots of money and stuff like that. I say, that's a lot of shit. That guy's on his own journey himself. Do you know, he set a goal to become the number one podcast, and he's done that. He's achieved that. Well. Do you know, he's achieving massive amounts of viewing numbers. At that time, he wasn't. He was just shopping about for people who were lo- local people who was doing quite well. He put my story up there, and it really identified with a lot of people from my background. A lot of people really identified. I mean, like thousands of people have contacted me through that and um, found us and engaged ways and became friends ways and stuff like that through that. So, although we mentioned it at that time, there wasn't a lot of process. So, the woman again, Catherine Emmanuel, um, she, she, she started going about an organization called Heal Scotland, which is useful, by the way, for anybody. Look, Lillian Sinclair is a brilliant person. Um, and they started doing, um, Jim started doing his breathing classes. So Catherine says, look, come along, they're really powerful and stuff like that. So 
I started doing my own breathing practice, and then there was a couple of people running about us who started doing their own breathing practices as well. And I set up a, a wee chat and I set up that Facebook page just so because chats are WhatsApp groups are too busy, even us 30 or 40. Mm-hmm. So we ended up at the start, going up the camp season, it was just a couple of ways, and going up the cobbler, it was a couple of ways, and then quite quickly, it was like 20 and 30 people coming up there. And, um, it was starting to get cold, but then people started adding to the page who weren't doing it. Do you know, and I was getting a bit apprehensive. It was getting to last winter. The weather was really poor. And I was getting a bit apprehensive about getting up the campuses and putting it out there quite publicly if nobody's doing any practice. Do you know, I was like, am I going to the Bible? So the page basically died away. So a lot of people get involved now. Oh, um, people wanted to do their own things with it. People started having their own wee groups and then started wanting to use our group to direct people where to do stuff that they were doing. People are getting interviews to papers and all that stuff. And a lot of our core group, were coming for back for situations at that time where they didn't want any publicity. Do you know, they weren't comfortable with, um, with, with newspapers, tabloids, newspapers, maybe doing features and stuff like that. So it caused a bit of eruption and some people broke away and left the group and didn't feel they wanted to contribute towards it, wanted to go and do their own things. So the group sort of stayed a bit quiet and then COVID happened. But what happened is, is that we had a core of about 25, 30 people that are, I was having to um, engage and motivate. We started meeting up very regularly and just get out of ourselves and adding one or two to that. But then again, on um, November there, I started saying, so, uh, October, November, I said, I'm going to resurrect this. So I, I, I opened up a wee bit. I was getting quite a bit of interest. So I just started doing live talks on my dynamic creation page, Tub Talks. They really started talking about the benefits that I was experienced through cold exposure and introducing some basic mobility exercises, which has been great for me because I've had massive amounts of chronic stress in my life that I developed like um, pain, so inflammation in my body, sore back, sore knees, sore hips. So I started doing very basic mobility exercises, yoga, outside called yoga. i done the Wim Hof um, a 10-week fundamental course. I went on the Wim Hof fundamental three-day retreat as well. But what I found with the Wim Hof is that the breathing technique made me quite psychotic. I've got to be honest with that. It really switched on. That is a technique that makes you stressed. It's really useful for certain conditions and for certain people. But quite a lot of people in my group started experiencing real anger issues, you know, really chronic stress and these symptoms started materialising so then a few people stopped doing it and returned back to feeling all right so at the start that group was called the scottish hoppers the inner changed that into the deepest through the term into the deepest i've heard that a number of times but i've heard one half space saying it as well so into the deepest means no into the deepest pools or water into the deepest part of your mind so using cold water to access your mind so because of that, and because I stopped, I was having these really severe reactions with the breathing technique, like really, really severe, shocking, shouting in my veins, um, jumping out my motor, like road rage, things that I've not experienced for that many, many years, right? Now, because I'm a stress and relaxation therapist, all the symptoms that I was experiencing were some signs of people in really chronic stress, like really chronic stress. Mm-hmm. So I had to stop doing that breathing, and so had many others. But some people still do it and have success with it. And a lot of other people are having massive um, experiences, but so they don't do it. So we don't advocate the Wim Hof Method at all, right? Although a lot of people, they do the Wim Hof Method to are in it. But anybody can engage in cold exposure. Anybody. So that's why the page is about cold exposure and no 
champion just one brand like the Wim Hof method because they're a commercial brand who are set up to sell money. They did give quite a lot of giveaways and stuff like that, but we're no advocating any particular brand. We are saying some of your members have got all different breathwork techniques, meditation processes, and some have got none at all. None at all. But everybody has developed a cold exposure practice. So what I started doing is then talking about it. I started doing lives into the deepest Facebook face. Yeah, close Facebook page, into the deepest close Facebook page. Then in the 30-day challenge, which I just made up, right? But there's been loads of 30-day challenges. There's 30-day challenges on about exercise, on about right. cold exposure. Loads of people have just done it, right? So we're not rewriting the wheel. We're not rewriting the wheel with cold exposure. We're not rewriting the wheel with any breath work. Any breath work that I do, transcendental meditation, any mindfulness techniques, any pranayama breathing techniques, any stress management. These have been about for thousands of years. Hundreds to thousands of years. Some are uh, the mere neuroscience is mere, um, mere explaining why things happen, mere explaining the chemistry, but the process has been done for predates right. Christianity, right? So, what we then I started doing into the deepest, into the deepest, into the deepest. And before this lockdown happened there, what we were doing was is that large groups of people were coming together, like large groups of people, but again, people joining the page and starting to do. Um, we're going up the camps at that time and then they start to try and post all, oh, well, we've got to go an hour after you. Try to build up their own profiles using the page and stuff like that. So they're away again, right? So then the lockdown happened um, again there and a few of our core crew, we said, look, why don't you just take us into your own community? So one in particular, Michael Toner. So we had an idea. We were going to go up and do Duck Bay Marina, uh, Duck Bay Marina up there on a Saturday. So we done it one time. I'm not sure if you were there. There was about 30 odd bodies turned up and then the next week it was locked down. So Michael stepped up. So they've got their own group down there taking the plunge, which is just like phenomenal, brilliant, it's growing. And there's groups all over the place, right? So now you've got a situation where it's like the pages really just become a place where people can meet new people, find out. So people in Aberdeen, is there anybody in Aberdeen out? And there is people in Aberdeen, is there anybody in Edinburgh, Lanarkshire, or Ayrshire? So now it's just a group of doing that. But the idea is to try and get formal things where formal meeting points and people to take responsibility, which is quite difficult, you know? So if I've had a situation where people are saying, I will be out up at Chateau Row at 11 o'clock that morning. So now people are coming into the page. Is there any meetups in Lanarkshire? I said, I well, that person's posting and they're not, they're not turning up. You know, so it's, it's unacceptable, really. So now all it would be is people want to say, I'm going to be at that place, then they can post in that. But really to make the page really attractive, it's about practice. It's practice. So I'm not wanting somebody to just post in there. Listen, I've just done a five-minute shower. Yeah, it was amazing. It's brilliant. They just get a message back and says, don't, don't say it, do it, which is a Glaswegian term for Don't just talk about it. Actually, let's see. So let's see you get in your cold tub. Let's see you get in the shower. Put your clothes on, your shorts, your sports bra, go in the shower, go in the bath, and that's what's happening. So when you were saying, is people being inspired by me? No, because a lot of people can't take to me, and some a lot of people, they take this. Right, that's just life. That's life. Right, I'm not meaning that as like, they don't like my personality or whatever, but they might look at me and say, oh, look at him, it's no problem for him. Get into cold shot, no, the beliefs coming out. Oh, I can't do that because... The grass is green. I can't do that because the sky's blue. No need to say that, but it's just as well saying that. It's saying I can't do it because I'm too old, too big, too little, um, too young, too handsome, too ugly. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's just all these reasons why we can't. It's all bullshit. But if you post something, Martin, uh, Matthew, then a PT person, fuck, if he can do it, I can do it. Or maybe a PT guy that's working the man in the gyms, 
this year is getting some publicity posting on it. I'm going to do it. Right? The idea is they start posting it and it inspires their clients. And then you get, my wife goes and does it and inspires some woman. Uh, Liz, a woman Liz I know, in her late 40s, early 50s, she's doing it. Mature woman, getting a lot of so new mature women are doing it. So the idea is, is that we inspire people by what we're doing, not by what we're saying. Aye. You know, and it's, is it a mental health support group? No, it's no, because there are other places where you can go and get it. People have posted on the page before, before I started regulating the post, um, seeing what's, what's acceptable and what's no. Mm-hmm. People started posting, oh, see the day, my depression kicked right in and, and I really wanted to do it. I just couldn't find the wall to do it. I couldn't do it. So I, I didn't, I, I didn't do it. And people are maybe putting that on there so people go, oh, coochie, coochie, coo, that's terrible for you. What you're doing. And I'm not minimising that people are not experiencing that, but what we are posted on it and says, listen, there's got to be something that you can do to change it. And it's like, oh, I just couldn't be bothered. I says, well, do you know what? Go and go on a cold shiver. See if that fucking changes how you feel. And it does. Go for a walk. Do you know, go phone somebody, go and talk to someone. So don't say, well, no one just bears a problem. There's other places that you can go and do that. That's great. But what we do get is, is we do get people who are having mental health, really chronic mental health challenges that come on and say, listen, I've been demented experiencing this and that. I've started on this process and I'm feeling a bit better. And the idea between the meetups regularly, which is for us, is Tuesday up the campsies at 7 o'clock, every Tuesday 7 o'clock, head tops is on when it's dark, and every Saturday morning at 8 o'clock up the campsies as well. Sometimes there's 10 bodies and sometimes there's 30 bodies. But the idea with that is, is that you do your individual practice every single day, but when you're able, come and join us. Now, I don't know if you've been watching stuff, but I do, right? And what I see is, People I know who have had some really, real tough life um, experiences, right? Crawling back from massive trauma, massive addiction, massive mental health, and also um, trying to come back to reality for their coping strategies, maybe coming out of prison or maybe coming out of toxic relationships, trying to rebuild their life. People are in hostels that are on the page as well. You wouldn't know that, right? Because I know I'm in a hostel, but they're practicing. What you see is you see their first video and they're in a bath and you see their big toe. Right, that's you see your big toe, and you hear them, oh, this is cold and stuff like that, right? But, oh, try to go, hi, my name's Gerald Neal, try to talk on ice, right? Aye. And then you see them a, a week later, and you see their ankle, and then you see their knee, and then eventually a week later, they're doing a wee video. Right, now, has them doing cold water changed the circumstances of their life? No, of course it has not. But what they've done is, is that they've learned that there's things that they can do that can change how they feel. Right, and what they've also learned is, is they've learned to break through the bullshit in their mind, which is something in the past is still present. So they've developed social anxiety, how I look, how I sound, um, how people are going to judge me. All this bullshit's going on my head, and I'll be back. You see their toe, or you see their shower, or you see their bath, and then they start talking, and then they find their voice, and they realise, do you know what? I'm part of something here. I'm part of the human race. I'm part of society, and I'm part of that group. And then from that. They come in the day we meet up. Now, I've watched you as well. First time you came, a wee bit quiet, sitting there, not too sure, looking a wee bit anxious. And you see, come on in here. So I'm very conscious of boys, so people's backs create a circle. Now, as people are not aware of this. I'm aware of it. Come on in. And people are quiet at the start because there's a lot of guys there. There's, how you doing? How you doing? But they've all just met fairly recently. And then you go in the water, and you get your gear out, and it's freezing, and then we do the warm-up, and the endorphins start flowing through you, and then the chemistry in your body changes, and then you start having these involuntary noises, and you feel part of something. And then you leave there, and you go back into your own life. And when you go into your own life, you start using 
social media really positively. In a 30-day challenge, what is that all about? Well, if you commit to posting on social media for 30 days, you break through the anxiousness, you break through your uh, your, your, your uh, beliefs about your body shape, your body size, how you sound, how you look, all this crap. You start experiencing the benefits. Now, what is the benefits of cold exposure? What are the benefits? Is it just going into a cold tub of water and screaming your head off? No. There's a 30-day challenge. I've created a video so that you can sign up for the 30-day challenge. And on the video, there's me talking about how you get started slowly. So how you start by using, <coughs> excuse me, a, 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 a shower. And how you start using a bath very slowly, very gradually, within a short space of time, you build up to that. What's the safety aspect? So there's a video there. Who shouldn't be doing this, right? Who should go and seek medical help before they go and do it? So very slow and very gradual. But the idea is about the challenge. It's a way for me to impact and influence my own life, but also to influence and impact other people and let other people know that I've got skills, tools, and resources that if you want to work with me, will be able to absolutely transform your life so you can then positively impact any or every area of your life and make meal transformational changes, not because of what I'm doing, but when you know better, you do better by giving you some information about how you breathe, how you can use breath work to transform and rewrite programs in your mind that support you, that excite you, that motivate you so that you start putting in actions that make this goals, these goals, you're trying to create a reality in your life, but then using tools like cold exposure, very basic stuff about nutrition, active mobility, but they're all great, right? Standalone stuff. See when you come together, that's when real changes happens. See when, see, see when society comes together, massive progress happens. See when, a way back, Matthew, hundreds of years ago, there was a clan system in Scotland, right? And we never achieved much economic success because there was all these different people. Sometimes they worked with each other and, they, and, that, and that goes back thousands of years. It was all the tribes and stuff like that. See, when we came to come together and we shared our resources and we shared our experience and our skills, we do better. See, when we come together and we share our experiences, we feel as if we're no longer a second-class citizen, as if we're outside looking in and we actually realise that we're part of something. And then what happens is, so there are stages Cold baths, cold showers, cold tubs, meetups, meeting up with people in cabs, is getting rivers, waterfalls, and then for that, there's days out every day, and then from that, there's retreats, and then outside of that, a lot of people come and do coaching with me as well, just to spend a wee bit of money to invest in themselves, a few hundred quid to invest in themselves, so that they can go and do that work for themselves, you know, working on their mind. So, lots of processes, so the group is amazing, it's really brilliant. If anybody wants to join the group, they're free to do that. Read and answer the membership questions. Why is that important? Because we're creating a community where on social media, if I'm having a terrible day, sometimes I will speak to somebody through a message in a way I would never date their face, right? And also, the written word can be construed differently for the spoken word. You hear my voice, Matthew, you can hear the emotion in it. You can hear the tone in my voice. You can hear the compassion, the support, or the criticism. By know the words I'm saying, by by how I say them and how I'm carrying myself when I say them. But if I just write the same thing down and you're having a terrible day, then you can perceive what I've wrote in a way that suits you. So in that community, the idea is if you can't lift somebody up, don't rip them back down. If you're a coach and you're a therapist or whatever, promote your services elsewhere, right? Ne spam, ne irrelevant links. 
it's not a mental health support group. It's not a twelve-step uh, recovery group and stuff. But I, I know a lot of our members have made massive progress coming back from the hell of mental health and the hell of addiction, and it's all enhanced and developed a life. It's separate from that. There's other places you can go and get the hints. So read the membership questions and create a really safe environment. Do you know? So no criticism. Anybody criticise, just report it. That person's away because no everybody wants to engage in what we're doing. So people criticising other people, what you're doing there, should be doing this. It's not about that. Other people coming on, how long should I hold my breath? These questions don't go on the page. Do you know, is this good for type 1 diabetes? These questions don't go on the page. The reason being, go on other pages, Wim Hof UK website, you'll see the variety of opinions that come out in that. And here's the other thing. See if you've got a medical condition, why are you asking a stranger on Facebook if it's safe to do something that you think might be harmful for you? Yeah. Go and ask your doctor. Do you know, go and ask somebody that's appropriately a medical appointed. And if it's safe for you to join us, start with cold showers, start with cold baths, start slowly, very gently, and you will notice if there's any challenges. You build up your tolerance to that, then come out to the community and get involved, and it becomes a lifelong process. Uh, it's amazing how you see that in the community. It's like... I listened to a book during lockdown, Lost Connections, it's talking about how you, when you feel part of a tribe, you feel, as you said, your emotions go flying. Um, but you could see how much support there was in the group. Obviously, I started out just seeing your videos. You kinda, I, I knew you'd done the kind of workshops, and I think they were a Tuesday night, and I was working at the time, couldn't make it to any of them, started going to the camp season. And as you said, it's like getting me involved in that group, and you could see it. People, people, all shapes and sizes, all different backgrounds of life, uh, just encouraging each other to um, try it out, get involved, and uh, and talk about talk a wee, wee bit about the kind of retreats and what's involved with them, because obviously we kind of meet up in a group in the retreats. Right, so the retreats are powerful. So they're low cost retreats. About the new, the new where we are, the new. So it's one hundred and fifty quid for a single person to go. The retreat starts. Tend to try and get it to start at one o'clock. We would do some cold water exposure on a Friday, but we normally go into the accommodation at four o'clock. And then what we do is, is we do a, um, a, a series of cold water processes. We do walks in nature, no hot walks because it's adverse weather than now, but we do walk five or six miles through um, glorious mountain valleys and stuff like that, low level walks. Um, we get wee chats, we do some check-ins in the morning, so we do wee feelings checks in the morning, we meet for group meditations in the morning, there's some breath work practices and there's some life coaching that happens round about the model. So we teach them some very basic, we, I teach them some very basic breath work. So it's only a five-minute process, deep abdominal breathing, which is really brilliant for stress management, for stress reduction and reducing any symptoms of stress, depression, anxiety, so on and so forth over a longer period of time, but you'll change how you feel almost instantly. So we set that up when people start doing five minutes of breathing, and then we start using the wee neuroscience cognitive behavioural process where we start thinking about the day ahead. So thinking about your day ahead in the best case scenario, who do you want to think like, act like, and feel like? If the best version of Matthew steps up during the course of this retreat, how are you going to decide how you're going to think, act, and feel? So when I take you out, Matthew, it's Saturday morning, you've not slept that well because it's a... It's a different bed that you've been in and stuff like that. You've just done a night that you've had the heat talk on. It's been exhilarating. You've done some talking in front of people for the first time for a long time. Just about very basic stuff about how you feel. You go to your bed, you don't sleep well. You're up at seven in the morning, doing meditation, and then you're in a waterfall and it's only two degrees and it's fucking freezing, right? So when does that change how you've decided on the Friday night you're going to think, act, and feel for the weekend? 
does it? So do we let external circumstances change how we think, act and feel? Or are we going to decide, me, myself, right now, to draw a line over what happened in the past and what might come in the future and decide, this is who I decide I'm going to be. So for this weekend, I decide I'm going to think like this. So it could be like really positive. And I'm going to think about other people. It could be just as simple as that. I'm going to act really um, calmly or confidently. And I'm going to um, act good communication. And I'm going to feel confident and courageous. So whatever it is that you need to work on. So for other people could be confident, grateful. For whatever you pick up, you just write it all down. Then I just imagine, use your imagination. Just imagine every couple of hours we stop, right? We better breathing. Right? Just imagine, this is what we've got to do in the next couple of hours. Imagine yourself thinking, acting and feeling like you're, right? So that when you go into the cold, you're tired. Ma, I can't even bother doing that. The heat's gone, ah, what are you doing? Matthew, what are you doing, man? You shouldn't have came here. You know you're no good doing about people. You're different for people. I mean, I've been in, I'm not saying you. Oh, I mean, I've been, I was in the Young Offenders. My ma didn't want this. I'm no good at relationships. I'm no good. Oh, this shite you're day. You keep fucking blittering you, sabotaging you. You say that you're not doing it now. Am I buying into this shit? Right, what do I do? Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. Five minutes. No. How do I want to think, act, and feel instead? You just practice. So we set up that model. And then because we've not got a lot of time, I normally um, set up a wee model where you just have a look at your life the now. And everybody has a look at their life. Where are you currently spending your time, your money, and your energy? Looking at people, uh, roles, responsibilities, activities, things that are important to you, and then rank them. Where where are you right now? So you look at it, you say, right, well, my health's only a five, um, but my finances are an eight. What do you think you should work on? So it's clear, isn't it? So you go, ah, well, maybe I should have a wee bit more focus on my health. So it's like brilliant in my career. And this is this is a common thing, right? So people. Um, money, money's got to fix everything. Material things will fix everything. So people get bullied when they were at school because they were a tramp. It's me I'm talking about. So all of a sudden, Dulce, Gabbana, Prada, Gucci, really important because if I wear name, social acceptance, 50 and anti social circles. Right, so people have done that. So to get that, you need to work really hard. So people focus massively on their career, 60 hours a week and stuff like that, right? And, and they're just eating a lot of shite. And all of a sudden, they end up with all sorts of money, overweight, feel terrible about ourselves, stressed out of box, their relationships are in tatters because they've focused primarily on money. So this is a great exercise to look and say, hey, what my personal relationships are for? Right? It's nearly on life support here. Right? What about my uh, my relationship with my kids? What about my finances? What about my career? What about my personal development, my contributions? All this stuff, right? And then you look at it and you just rank it, just subjectively. And then what I do is I say, right, pick an area. Right, and I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to pick something that's low rather than something that's high. Pick right. something. I'll say, define what you would like instead. So if every area, everything was in there, every everything in that area was exactly the way you wanted to be, what would it look like? Sound like? Feel like? So you're defining the, the tense. You're creating a model in your mind of how you know when you achieve that goal. Right. So if it's a body shape, if it's a if it's a, a, a health thing, and you're looking at physical health, you might look at it and say, well, it's my eating habits. It could be my body shape. So it could be a feeling. So you might go like that, for instance. Like how would you know you achieve the goal? What would you see? Well, I would see myself at a wedding wearing a nice black Hugo Boss suit. You know, I've had it up in the cupboard for years. I can't get it anywhere. So I put that on and my skin's looking great. I'm looking very athletic and I'm dancing about and all that sort of stuff. And so so, so there's a bit of evidence that would support. And the idea is what we go and do is, is I teach them how to 
write a program in their mind using breathwork and create visualization. So they start visualizing the future. And it doesn't change it, but what happens is you're just planting these seeds of possibility right in the brain. And what we're doing is while we're in that period of mental rehearsal, deep meditation, creative visualization, call it what you want, while we're in there, the what we do is, is we code that false memory that we are putting in, we are feeling, how would it feel? How will you feel when you achieve this goal? Ecstatic, amazing, grateful, confident. And then we practice a wee technique where you start coding that memory with that. So basically what happens is, is that the reward centre in your mind, the limbic system, which is associated with addiction, by the way, it starts associating being that certain body shape with something that's that feeling. So because that feeling is so desirable, the brain starts releasing dopamine which makes it highly motivational for us to repeat the actions that get the reward, the reward being that feeling. So we then start doing a very basic meditation in the morning, very basic visualization. Now, of course, to achieve a certain body shape, I need to make good food choices. I need to do a calorific. Um, I've got to start reducing or increasing my calories, right? So I've got to do that. I've got to exercise, right? I've certain things I've got to do. So there's actions that I need to do. But what we want to try and do is, is get the brain involved so the unconscious mind produces the chemistry, dopamine, that motivates us to take the actions, right? Because what the brain's saying is, this goal is ultimately some reward. What's the reward? The sum done we get after the feeling. So every day we do five minutes. I just mental rehearsal on that with programming my brain, which means that we get the dopamine, which means we're highly motivated to make the better food choices. We're highly motivated to go to the gym, we're highly motivated to put in the action steps that's going to lead to the goal. But what also happens is, because we're achieving that stress management through the breath work and getting in the operating centre of our mind in the first place, then because we're not chronically stressed, the seesaw isn't like that. So we don't need the bad coping strategies to change the chemistry in our body. So do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. So we introduce that very basic model. So there's quite, there's not a lot of time to draw into that, but that's done within an hour. And the idea is, just practice that, practice that. So we start practicing that through the course of the weekend as well. So we get walking outside, you get emotional regulation through talking about yourself. People are para. So we introduce a wee talking stick, break it all down, and then people start finding their voice, just talking. I feel a bit anxious or I felt like this, but I'm really inspired to do this. I'm really inspired. I thought my body shape, blah, blah. What a shite, man, that people believe about themselves. You just go belief shatter, belief shatter, belief shatter, belief shatter, and then replace it with do you want instead give people the tools to regulate their stress through breathing and to plan programs in their mind through creative visualisation and mental rehearsal. So it's a really powerful process. But what I get out of it is, it's the coming together, man. It's the coming together. I see all the things I've spoke about. Oh, writing programs, getting on the operating centre of their mind, breath work, stress management, cold exposure in nature, being a programmer, being an architect in my own life, the creator of my own destiny. People are like, fucking sign me up, right? But that's not what you get. What you get is, you get all that, right? But what you really get is, is you get to connect with a human being, okay. right? And when you connect with a human being, with other human beings, you create vasopressin, oxytocin, serotonin, and them are what really brings the seesaw here. And every new day sets, right? Buying things, 
drugs. Or us is doing, it's getting here. Why is it doing that? Because it's changing the chemistry in our brain. It's creating vasopressin connection, oxytocin, love, and it's creating um, serotonin, feel-good chemistries. It's creating dopamine repeating the same. So we've got all these chemicals going on in our brain. It's not just like, oh, right, release oxytocin. They're fused together. And it's that chemistry when it comes into the blood, the neuropeptides and the neurotransmitters, when it comes into the blood, that makes us feel how we're thinking. And that's the most important thing. So now when we leave there, we realise I am much more capable of doing better. And I find that most people in their life realise and also know that really, look about to say, I thought I would have been doing a bit better than where I'm off right now. I really did. I thought at this point in my life, I thought I would be doing better. This is no what I envisioned as I was growing up. This is no the relationships I thought I would be having. This is no the earning capacity. This is no how I thought I would be feeling, looking, thinking, acting, whatever it may be. And you say, right, well, that's good. That's fine. What would you like instead? What do you want instead? You see, if you say something, do you know that you're the creator of your own life? The creator of your own destiny? They'll go, hi, I know, I believe it. I've seen Joe Dispenser, Bruce Lipton, I've the lawyer attraction, I've read the secret, I absolutely believe it. But they're not doing anything about it. They're not doing anything about it. Do you know, they might have a wee belief up here, say one belief that I believe that that's true, but I've got 100,000 other beliefs in there that are sabotaging them every day to tell them why you can't do it. And here's the thing, the voice within is sabotaging enough, but see if you surround yourself with people who tell you you're no good, you can't do something, you'll never be able to do it, who do you think you are? It fucking demoralises you, man. It flattens you right down. Draggy so back to... That's why we need to surround ourselves with peer-led people, right? Matthew, imagine a scenario, right? I'll just use you. I'll use me, right? So imagine me, we Jed comes along, right? His man does they want him. His dad does they want him, right? For whatever reason, good reasons, and they've made their choices in their life. For, they don't have reasons for that, but the net effect is I feel unloved, unwanted, and I go into homes, and in the homes, as soon as I start acting out, traumatised, stressed, the move is somewhere else. So all of a sudden, I get pure shamed about my behaviour, Anger is something to be avoided at all costs because it means punishment. But it's a natural emotion. So my primary um, care of Disney want is which happens to be a female. Go on a few, a bond with some woman who work in the homes and all of a sudden I get moved somewhere else. We can't keep in touch with So I'm like, fucking hell, man. If I get connected and attached to somebody in a relationship here, it means massive pain and massive stress and massive abandonment, right? But I don't know that. That's unconscious. I just go into a relationship. I feel jealous, insecure, anxious, um, like the worst person in the full world. And I'm going, what's going on? Because when I was dating the person, I didn't feel any emotional attachment. So right. the best fit was forward, the best. And then all of a sudden, I start caring about them. And I start getting, a, what happens if we go with somebody else? What happens if they leave us? And I'm wondering, why do you think like this? I think like that because in the past, my ma didn't want us. My brain records that as a massive threat. So anytime anything remotely like that comes near me, i.e. another relationship, I start experiencing a greater or lesser degree how it felt when I was a wee boy. And then the, the re-abandonment as I'm moving through care, getting dumped off your lasses as I'm going through, it's horrible. So now I go into that, I can't live like that. My seesaw's there, so how do I get out of that? Smoke joints, because that's what we do when we're wee boys or wee lasses, there's drugs all in about us, or it's ecstasy, or legal highs, or alcohol, whatever it is having sex with as many people as you can, just like a wee boy and a wee lassie, you know, up the dancing, putting on all your good clothes and all that, and the social status, social asset, and all of a sudden they're all getting up there. But now, fucking hell, man, it's like, I'm now in my 20s, I'm fucking wore out with all this stress and anxiety. I can't keep it up anymore. 
I can't be on about people. So now I'm taking cocaine in the house. I'm even going to dancing. I'm drinking in the house. I'm smoking green in the house. Taking naked pictures of myself and I'm posting them on people on Tinder and all that. And, and every time I do it, I know it's no healthy for us. I know I'm going to get an instant hat. I go and sleep with somebody else again. Sleep with three different people, men or women, this week. And I, it was all right while I was doing it, but every time, soon as I ejaculate and come, yeah, fucking yeah. like that, flat, empty, don't know how to change it. And I kind of walk about a few days like that, pure depressed, disgusted, ashamed, and my hate brain goes, what's the answer? I need to get this character out of here. Get yourself fucking Tinder. So then I start texting people, oh, you look great, you look lovely, you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, we end up like this, we end up like that, and what we need to do is, we need to change but all my pals are doing exactly what we're doing. We feel as if we can't tell anybody because we're ashamed or embarrassed about our coping strategy, the people we've slept with, the money that we're spending, the debts that we've ran up, the, 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 the persona that we put out to the outer world's just bullshit, man. I've been so many people to, to everybody, oh, I need to be a gangster with you, Matthew, because you're a tough guy. Oh, I need to be a comedian for you because you're dead funny. I need to be dead confident for you because you think I'm dead confident. I need to be dead needy to you because that's the way. And all of a sudden, being all these things to all different, who the fuck am I? Who am I? I'm lost. I'm dying here, man. I don't know how to cope with this. I'm fucked, absolutely fucked. I'm stepping out into the world and I'm kidding on everything's all right. I'm back in here. I don't know how to be a good partner. I don't know how to be a good parent. I don't know how to change how I feel. And I'm just, I don't want to do these things, but I keep on doing, why am I doing these things? Why am I keep repeating these actions? And here's the thing. All of a sudden, somebody says, jump in a cold shower, join this challenge. And you join the page. And you start with cold showers. You do the tour scenario. You do the wee voice. And then you're kidding on, you're somebody that you know, your false persona comes out. And then eventually you get involved in the community and you realise, you know what, I'm not alone. I might be a lone wolf in my circle, but there's actually hundreds, thousands of people out there. And all of a sudden, I'm going to use social media really positively. I can do what I want, my social media, fire in, do what you want, but on this social media platform, I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm going to respect everybody. I'm going to build them up and I'm going to encourage them. Now think about us, right? Imagine your missus has left you, right? Took the veins away. You've been mad to you for whatever the substance is, you've been mad to you. You've been unemployed, you're stressed out your box, right? Your mental health's in tatters, you're stuck in the house all the time, you smoke hundreds of bags, your diet's pure shit, and the doctor's getting you whatever tablets they're getting you to substitute the substance you're taking to this. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you don't know anybody whatsoever, and you put a post on social media, dead scared, your first call bath, and you get... 50 likes and 20 comments. How does that person feel? You think about it, how does he feel? He feels like the worst person in the world, the loneliest person in the world. Like, 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 like. Well done, mate. Keep it up. Bro, you know what we see you up the camps. He's not. He feels fucking connected, man. The chemistry in his body changes. It's only momentarily, right? So it's no going to last forever, but it changes. And all of a sudden, it motivates him because he's getting a like and getting a good comment. It gets a reward. What does it get a reward? Because it gets vasopressin, oxytocin, serotonin. And what does that mean? The brain snaps out that experience. And anytime he feels like shit, the brain's going to tell him, repeat a process that gets you a reward. So what's the process? Day two of the cold water challenge. Day two comes on. Likes, positive comment, brain snapshot into storage. Next time thinks about a cold shower. So now he thinks cold shower cold water, unconscious mind, equals vasopressin, serotonin, oxytocin. 
So what happens is the brain produces dopamine to help them repeat actions that bring them pleasure. So now all of a sudden the coping strategies, drugs, isolation, sex, porn, whatever they may be, are slowly being replaced by holistic processes because the holistic processes are giving them the same chemistry that they're looking for through the other stuff that they're doing. You know, so it's like, I know for some people, I think, is that quite complicated? But that's what we're doing. So when you're working with people and you're talking about mental health, it's really useful to know what processes that people can do that will change their chemistry. Now, me and you know the physical benefits. How's your, you know, you're already a fit guy and all that anyway, mate, you know, you're solid, but have you noticed any more toned to your body just for the cold water, any more energy? Or... Uh, it's hard to say because obviously with the, the weight loss, obviously I've been cutting for a bit anyway with watching calories and stuff. But for me, it was uh, like in the morning, I, I'm obviously in the gym at like half six. If I get a cold shower, I'm alert all day. So alertness definitely helps. Um, I find it more, if you had said to me before, go and do 10, med- to 10 minutes of kind of meditation, I'd probably like put it off or whatever. But you can't help but meditate when you're in the water. You, you start to look about you, don't you? You start to take in nature. You start to look at things. You, it just, I think it just opens your eyes. And, and as you said, it's like the that feeling of being connected with a group of people as well. It's like, I, sh- I done like um, 35,000 steps on Sunday. I should have been in my bed sleeping by 10 o'clock. I couldn't sleep all night. I was buzzing, like, and you could see it in the group, and I could see it with your reaction when you came on and done a talk. Like everybody would have walked away for that experience. And as you like said, it, it was a point in it where we're all coming down the hill, we were all cold, we were all wet, we we're all getting ready to jump in the water, and mood was probably a wee bit low. And then you get Ross in the background like, I ain't coming all this way, no to jump in the water, and it just built everybody up. And it's that, that's the same as in that group. It's like, if somebody is feeling down, like, I'm not feeling that motivated, but when they look on the page and they see other people get it done, that builds them up and they will get it done. So, the stuff like that's just been amazing. And and as, as you said, for me, it was like, I came and I wasn't unsure of people. And then, as you said, they started to get introduced and started to meet people in the group, started to hear their stories, started to hear where they've came from and their experiences, where what they're doing with their kind of practice where it's been breath work meditation cold water therapy and how it's basically helped to change them uh where can people where can people follow you and get the details to kind of join this group can i steal a couple of minutes matthew because i want to give some giveaways here right um, for some people right so some stuff will be my stuff but some stuff is other material that is easily accessible but really powerful and can have a really good impact on people who are saying how do i change right so firstly there's on my social media, there's Dynamic Creations, which is Facebook. So that's my coaching page, Dynamic Creations. It's on Facebook. Instagram, Dynamic Creations 3580. Quite a lot of stuff on there. So I do a daily pub talk, talking about beliefs, some breath work, sharing a wee bit about my own wee day and my own wee journey and stuff right. like that as well. So I can, you can do that. The other closed Facebook page is called Into the Deepest for people who are wanting to engage in cold water challenges. Anybody who wants to engage in this safely, how do you join the cold water challenge? I will contact me and I'll send you the link. There's a link, you just press on the link. There's a video with me talking for maybe about seven or eight minutes about how to safely start using a bath and how to safely start using a shower and then introducing some other stuff, how to take part in the challenge with posting stuff. And that's another great way where people 
um, tag me in their story and I then post that onto my story on Instagram or uh, post it onto the page, Dynamic Creation, um, into the deepest, where people that practice, then you're in practice. You know what's happening is I'm getting loads of messages going like that. Oh, I know that, Matthew, by the way. He's at my gym. I'm going to start that process, right, because of you, because mm-hmm. it's just to be, so stuff yeah, like that, and then, well, yeah. like, and I speak Advanced retreat in Berlin, 
but these are all brilliant value added things. So I would highly recommend it for him. Another really good one, despite the fact that the breathing's no for me, it, but for other people had really good benefits is the Wim Hof website. There are a lot of good giveaways as a commercial venture, obviously. So, but I find them very well priced. Um, for instance, the daily ten week online fundamental course which is basically just basic yoga. You're already doing it anyway, mate, to be honest with you. But for some people looking just to get started, then that would be pretty decent. I say that if, you, if you're starting the cold showers for the timer and all that, the Wim Hof uh, app's pretty yeah. decent. I think, you get, I think you might get 20 days free for that, so you can do the 20 days of you know, right, so the timer. Like so that's so handy. I did that. One caveat I would put with that, their, web, their, their Facebook pages, um, there can be some good stuff on it, but there can be some... Stuff with people is just no well as well, obviously. Um, so we're up, but I, so I would recommend I jump on that as well. Um, if you're in Western Bartonshire, there's a, there's a group down there called Take the Punch, Michael Toner and Vicky Murphy, really good people. Um, they'll go through the growing pains that I have been through the last year odds as well. But they are, um, that's a good page for doing that. And they're banging, they're really quite busy. I we're up the camp season a Tuesday and a Saturday, so you can join in with that. Um, and also, uh, on the 27th of December, there is a coaching, full day coaching. It's only 20 quid a ticket. It'll be up near Clyde Bankway. It'll be 50 people maximum. I think the restrictions will be fine. It's in an environment almost like a, a, a restaurant-type environment. So we need to wear masks and so on and so forth. But full day's coaching course for 20-odd quid. So that's a bit, there's about 10 spaces left on that on the 27th of December. So quite a lot of stuff there. Breaking the habit of being yourself, Wim Hof website, Atomic Habits, and my overall favourite, um, also Breathe by James Nestor. Excellent. Just grab Breathe it. by James Nestor on Audible as well. Disney go into too much details, but explains in detail why mouth breathing is really bad for you, why nasal breathing is really beneficial for you, why um, breath holds is really beneficial, why we should maybe only do power, power, two more type meditations once a week rather than every day. And his idea is that it supports my idea as well, actually, and everything I've done in the last 20 years, that breathe slower, breathe less, and breathe deeper. So breathe in about five, always in and out your nose, breathe in about five breaths a minute. So do that repeatedly, four or five times a day for a king mate. Really brilliant for managing stress. So it's a brilliant book, yeah. And my all-time favourite right now is The Oxygen Advantage, which has got tons of information. I'm training up to be an oxygen van. So really about, about um, how we can really use the power of oxygen to really incredibly release like, massive amounts of um, beneficial um, the processes inside our body that will have massive impacts on our physical and sporting performances. So really good lot of giveaways there. Have you uh, have you read The Power of Habit? The Power of Habit? I've not no, read it, no. Send me your details, I'll, I'll send that over. I've got it in PDF there, so worth, worth a listen as well for, for habits as well. Um, and yeah. then obviously... Yeah, cheers for coming on but I'm looking forward to meeting up with the group again obviously we um, a lot of the people down Western Bartonshire are finishing their um, 30 day challenge and we're looking to join them for the walk hug me yep. yep 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 so on the 31st of December we're looking to do a, a walk into the deepest which is another walk so it's like um, it's pretty good because a few members of our group step right up and we break it into these very small groups you've seen yourself um, different different levels of fitness and you get people shepherd you up shepherd you back down but people do need to have appropriate footwear so we're going up into the mountains it is winter you need to have robust walking boots um, Gore-Tex type jackets hats, scarves, rucksacks okay. and um, a really good level of fitness because uh, you're not getting off 
two hours up there and then no managing it, you're struggling to get back down yourself. So I so I would always recommend with things like that, people join in and get that information through our page. Definitely into the deepest page so we know who's going to go or live our fitness. And I would also say before you, if you've never done it like that, join us in the better weather for some low level stuff. But if you're fit, if you're able, if you're able to go to um, hit classes, exercise, you're exercising four or five times a week and you're doing it at a moderate level, then I would be able to do that no problem. You know, be challenging, you'll have a sore arse inside <laughs> the bum anyway, your next day, make some pains, but definitely possible. Hey, thanks very much for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, aye, I'm looking forward to getting back in. I'm going to, I'm going to actually, you done your tub talk today? No, no, I'm going to do it this afternoon. I've been, had some basic tasks. I need to go and do. I've got some, um, I've got, I think I've got a half four, and then I've got a half six, and I've got some stuff to do to know. So I'm quite busy today. We were a man's demands as well. So I think I'm going to have to get it in about um, before half four. Aye. The half four. Looking look, look forward to joining um, and again, guys, put a follow the page because honestly, the amount of stuff that you'll you'll learn um, just for listening to him sitting in the tub, maybe the windy cleaner might come round for a visit. Was <laughs> uh, a cracker. Oh, so, so just to clap, what Matthew was talking about. I was in the tub top, and my neighbour's across from his windy cleaner comes out, so I can see him, but he can't see me, and I'm just sitting in a tub. And it's freezing. It's well, last week yeah, it's Baltic ice and the flare and all that. I'm in this tub of cold water. I could see him. So I'm doing a tub talk. It's me just doing a live and just talking about various processes. Some of the stuff I was talking about there. And um, and I could see he's gone to talk. So he turns around nearly falls off the ladders. He's like, oh, what the fuck is he? You having a giraffe? And then he was like, um, what's going on? He's shouting, he's bow. There's a guy in a tub of cold water there. Then he's trying to get his phone out. But <laughs> one of the benefits of cold exposure, Matthew, is it increases, there's studies that show it increases your testosterone levels for males which means that it increases your sex drive. Right? So I was saying to him, listen, it'll not be that when your missus finds out that this increases your testosterone levels. Whether you like to or no, she'll be popping you in that cold tub every single day. You guy was laughing, so aye. You never know, you never know. Never know who's plan for the plan, but plan for the unknown as well. No, brilliant. Right, cheers, Jed. Thanks very much for that, appreciate it. See you soon. Cheers. Thanks for having us, mate. Ah, cheers for that. Nice. Oh, it's finished, eh? Aye, mate, brilliant. All right, go on.